I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, well, settle in, everyone. Get your tinfoil hats on, because this is a long, bumpy ride. Before I tell you why, let's go over to shout-outs. That's right, it's shout-outs time. Harley, Lauren, Amber, Angie, Autumn, Seth, Carolyn, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan, hi, Dan, Daniel, David, Dill, Edgar, Heidi, J-Mark, Jade, Jeff, Jenny, Jim, Joe, Jory, Joshua, Juliana, Keith, Kira, Kyle, Lash, Laura, Laura, Laura Rutho, Lauren, Lauren, Lawrence, Lily, Lionel, welcome Lionel, Logan, hi Logan, M. Calvillo, Maggie, hey Maggie, hope you're doing well, Michaela, Manning, Martin, Matt, Megan, Melissa, Nanashi, Nick, Pablo, Rosa, Sarah, Sarah, Shelly, Shelly, Lauren, Suzanne, Tosh, sorry Tosh, I, I've said your name wrong so many times, so Tosh, hi Tosh, Tosh is awesome, thank you so much Tosh, I apologize for messing up your name, Todd, Travis, Troy, Veronica, and Vincente, don't worry, I'm probably going to mess up some more names in this story. What those people are, head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac, join today, I'm doing the next exclusive patron-only episode right after I record this one. And let me tell you, this one is two UFO abduction stories that have been asked for by fans for over a year now. Two amazing stories, one that might be true and one that is internationally known that I debunk the hell out of. But sorry, it's for my awesome patrons only. The only hint I'll give, which are huge hints by the way, because they're two names, are Pasagula and Napolitano. If you don't know what those are, become a patron and you're going to hear some amazing stories. If you do know what those are, sorry, it's for the patrons only. Again, patrons, thank you so much for all your support. Literally, this show could not be made without you. An example why, last month, I got knocked on my ass by a flu, a cold, or something. Something that just took me down. Took me down so much that I had to go to the hospital and get some antibiotics. And guess who paid for that? The patrons. The patrons literally are saving my life. So thank you so, so much. Alrighty, up next we have Paranormal News. First, let me say thank you so much to everyone sending in paranormal news stories. Please keep them coming. It makes it so much easier to do paranormal news. I have more and more stories every week because of you guys. Also, how cool is that paranormal news bumper music by Kayla? Thank you, Kayla. I really do appreciate it. Send me paranormal news bumper music to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. You might just hear yours on the next episode. Okay, first story up in paranormal news... The U.S. Navy is working on new guidelines on how to report UFOs. 
That's right, the U.S. Navy is drafting a new guideline for personnel to report sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena. Now, in response to unexplained incidents in which service members had reported unknown crafts in the vicinity of protected airspace or encroaching on naval and air formations. This is from Politico, and they wrote that this new reporting guidelines are not intended to, to uh, quote, legitimize speculation that Navy pilots or sailors have encountered alien spacecraft, but instead streamline the process of officially logging incidents for further study or analysis. They go on to say there have been a number of reports of unauthorized or and or unidentified aircraft entering various military controlled ranges and designated airspace in recent years. For safety and safety for safety and security concerns, the Navy and the US Air Force take these reports very seriously and investigate each and every report. As part of this effort, the Navy is updating and formalizing the process by which reports of any such suspected incursions can be made to the cognizant authorities. A new message to the fleet that will detail the steps for reporting is in draft. Regardless what you want to think, there are more and more UFO encounters happening all the time. You might just say, well, yeah, sure, there's all these new drone technology and unmanned aircraft technology. It's all the military. Is that right? Well, then why are the military publicly saying we're having these incursions more and more, we need to figure out how to report it. We're not saying it's aliens, but we're not saying it's not. Sure, other governments could have drone technology. I'm, they do. But do, these, do they have these abilities to just appear and disappear like these little tic-tac UFOs that we're seeing more and more of are doing? And if so, do we have that technology? Because if they have it, hopefully we have it too because they are flying circles around our fighter jets right now. Like I said... Whether you believe in UFOs or not, UFOs, the actual unidentified flying objects, or the unidentified aerial phenomena, as they're now known, they are real. They are seriously, they are seriously impacting the U.S. Navy and the Air Force, and the government are taking steps to figure out what these things actually are. Alrighty, next up in paranormal news, this was a big one that everybody sent me, and I already had it on there, but again, thank you for sending me this story, and rightfully so for sending me this story. Scientists revive some brain functions in dead pigs hours after death. Now, I'm sure you've all heard this story. Basically, it's Franken-Piggy. For whatever reason, nobody asked for this as far as I can tell. Scientists have figured out how to reanimate pigs. Or some, not reanimate pigs, but reanimate some brain functions in dead pigs. Now, Thankfully, it did not regain consciousness and start eating everybody. But it is a terrifying thing that this is how close we've come to reanimating the dead. The team did have an anesthetic in place just in case something really freaky happened and it came back to life and started attacking people. They even knew that if this worked better than they thought and it became a zombie pig, that they were going to have to take it down. So even scientists were like, Eh, this could become a zombie pig. It could be really bad. So again, I didn't ask for this. I don't think any of you guys asked for this. Um, why are we reanimating dead pigs? No, thank you. And you know what? That brings me to a question for you guys. That story brings me a question for you guys. If they had an experimental drug that might reanimate you after you die, it might bring you back. You might die and then, you, you know, when you die, you might... They inject you, and boom, you might come back, and you might be you, but 
there's a chance you might not be really you. Would you check that checkbox on your driver's license or wherever you have to do it? You know, those those uh, organ donor check marks. If they had one below that that said, please try and reanimate me. You know, they have those DNRs. Well, what if they had a, please try and reanimate me? Would you do that one? Would you want to take the risk that you might become some mindless zombie freak, but you might come back from the dead and be you? Would you take that risk? Alrighty, next up in paranormal news, couples staying at one of America's most haunted houses are freaked out when they spot the ghosts of three children wearing long white socks near the front door. Brandon and Taryn Hunt had enjoyed a long weekend away at Myrtle's Plantation, which I've talked about on this show. It's in uh, Louisiana. When they arrived, they were greeted by a terrified departing guest who claimed to have photographed a ghoul. Why a ghoul? That's my question. Ghouls and ghosts are very different things. Why would you say it was definitely a ghoul? Wasn't a ghost, wasn't a poltergeist, it was a ghoul. Eh, I don't know about that one. Anyhow, the couple decided to film some of their own overnight stay, and they discovered their own unexpected guest, if you will. Now, I've taken a look at the photos. It does look like white sock. Now, I want to post it on Facebook as well, so you can kind of take a look at it. It does look like white socks. It looks like white socks of uh, kids running downstairs, if you will. Um, is it a ghost? Yeah, it might be. It really might be. You can almost kind of see the buckle where, you know, the shoe would meet the white sock. And they are in different positions from photo to photo as if someone was walking. But you can kind of see through them. Not kind of. You can totally see through them. So that one's interesting. That one's weird. But... It does come from the Daily Mail, which I don't trust, so I'm going to try and find other sources of it. Now, it says Kennedy News and Media as the photos, so that should mean there are other sources for these photos. If I can find that, I'll believe it even more. Now, here's my only problem with the photos, though. If I'm going to be 100% honest, here's my only problem with the photos. There's a chandelier in the photograph. That chandelier is kicking off strange lights and strange shadows on the walls and on the ceilings. There is a good chance that what we're seeing is a reflection from that chandelier on the lens of the cell phone or the camera that they were taking it with. Just putting that out there. I'm not saying it's not a ghost, but there could be a little light refraction from that chandelier. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, and I think this is the last story. It is the last story in paranormal news. A daughter shared scary footage of a ghost in her dad's room. Again, a lot of people sent this one to me. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate that. A daughter claims that her father had been plagued with the feeling of something moving his sheets at night. So she set up a camera. What they saw in the footage has both the father and the daughter terrified. But is it real? The daughter, Cheyenne Rachel, shared this on Reddit and on Twitter saying, I'm freaked the fuck out. Look at the sheets lifting up and what comes out of the side of it. Wait, what comes out of the side of it? I didn't see something come out of the side of it. Hold on, I'm watching this video again while I'm recording this. So yeah, the sheets go up. So far, I'm not freaked out. Looks like an arm. Those look like feet kicking the sheets. Sheets are kind of steady now. Again, that could be an arm stretching in the photo or in the video. There's the dad getting up. See, I don't see anything coming out of the side of it, though. Hold on, I got five more seconds. Sorry, this is boring for you guys. Five more seconds. Yeah, I don't see anything coming out of the side of it. It looks to me... I mean, there could be something under the sheets. A, I don't know how big the dad is. I don't know how tall he is. I don't know where his legs were. I don't know where his arms were. But I have a camera on my, in my bedroom for, so I can keep an eye on Stitch when I'm not at home. And 
if I play back video of me sleeping when I stretch my arm or, or stretch my legs or roll over or whatever, it kind of looks like the footage that I'm seeing here. Now she says, look really closely to the sheets lifting in the beginning on the left of the screen. That wasn't him. He was dead asleep. Eh, was he? And if you look really closely, something shoots out of the sheet when it drops to the right and then disappears. It's gray and kind of looks like a head. What? Where is that at? I'll edit this part out. Don't worry, everybody. I'm watching it again. Something shoots out. I don't see anything shooting out. Nah, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what you guys think of this video. Is it just a dad rolling around in his sleep or is it something more? Now, I will say that plenty of users on Reddit said, I've watched it several times now and I cannot figure out how this could be fake. The way the sheets move and the way the thing person to the left just disappears, it's so freaky. Is it? If you look really closely, something shoots out of the sheet when it drops to the right and then disappears. It's gray and kind of looks like a head. I don't see it. Another person says it's extremely creepy. The more times you watch it, the clip gets stranger. Uh, another, another person says either this is completely staged or one of the freakiest things I've ever seen. Really? Um, yeah, that's definitely just the dad rolling over. He pushed the covers off his arms and he's rolling over, making it look like a head is vanishing when it's really just his arm. I believe this person. I agree with this person. Just looks like he's moving his arms and kicking his sheets out. I do believe in ghosts, but I can't see anything paranormal in this video. Yep, I agree with that person. But again, I'm going to post this on Facebook. I'm going to see if I can find it on um, Instagram as well. If, it, if I can find it on there, I'll share it on there as well. I want to know what you guys think about this. Is it just a dad rolling over? Did I just spend two full minutes watching a dad roll over in bed while he's asleep? Hmm, probably. Could it be a ghost? Maybe. Again, I don't know how big the dad is. I don't know where his legs were in this video. I don't know where his arms were. If he's six feet tall, how big is the bed? Is it a queen size bed? Is it a twin bed? Is it a king size bed? These are important details. Also, if it happened once, it's probably gonna happen again. Why are there no more, why are there no more videos of this? Why didn't you set it up the next night and the next night and the next night? Did the dad just say, hey, I'm never sleeping here again? These are things I don't know, but I'm very curious about. All right, with that, let's move on past paranormal news and let's get right into this one. I'm just gonna tell you now, this one took me down a lot of rabbit holes. Or should I say lizard holes? What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about lizard people. It's one weird tale or person after another. It just keeps going. Look up lizard people on YouTube and welcome to my past few months. Obviously, I didn't do this exclusively, but I'd watch a video here and watch a video there. That video would lead me to this video, which lead me to this person. Is this person real? It might be, but this person's probably fake. Could be this person. This person's probably the same person as this person. It's insanity. Everything about this lizard person episode is insanity. Now, the idea of lizard people living among us isn't exactly a new idea, sadly. It's been around for a long while. So... Let's deep dive into this conspiracy theory. Like, what is a lizard person? Why are they called so many different things? Things like lizard people, reptilians, reptoids, reptiloids, reptisions, draconians, saurians. Look, pick a lane, dino sluts. Oh, that's a new one I just made up for lizard people. I don't want to, you know, slut shame lizard people, but I'm gonna. All right. So there's a lot of names for these things. As soon as I went down the rabbit hole for reptilians, then I had to go down the rabbit hole for reptoids, then shape-shifting lizard people, regular lizard people, 
Draconians, why are they different? Saurians, where do they come from? It's insanity. So let's get to the history of them a little bit. I can't, I can't do every piece of this puzzle for you guys. This episode would be 12 hours or two days long if I did every piece. So I'm going to gloss over some major parts of lizard people. And I apologize, I didn't deep dive as far as I could on some things, but then I deep dove really far on other things, I guess you'd say. So, okay, let's get to the history first. Some of the oldest known samples or examples of lizard people I actually talked about on a previous episode with the Ubaid lizard men. Now I'm gonna give you a quick recap, but very quick. Go on back to Ancient and Mysterious Artifacts episodes, find the Ubaid lizard men for the full story, but here's a quick recap. At the Al Ubaid archeological site, where many pre-Sumerian 7,000 year old artifacts were found, they depicted humanoid figures with lizard characteristics. Now I'm talking full lizard people, faces, eyes, everything. These little statues look like lizard people. They look like lizard men, women, children, children suckling at the breast of lizard women. Why? Well, no one really knows, but the snake was a major symbol used in many societies to represent a number of gods. For example, the Sumerian god Enki, E-N-K-I. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that correct correctly. So that seems to be, as far as I can tell anyway, the first real proof of lizard people. Now, sure, everybody says the lizard people were here first, they've been here for millions of years, but there's no proof to that stuff. I'm trying to find something that has a modicum of tangible proof. So for all intents and purposes, for this episode, it begins 7,000 years ago with physical proof of lizard people depicted in statues. Okay? All right, so let's, from there, let's jump to a seriously bizarre story that happened right here in Los Angeles. This story takes place on January 29th, 1934. A guy named G. Warren Schufelt, who was a geological engineer, contacted the Los Angeles Times with a freaking bizarre story. He said that he had discovered the remains of an, an ancient reptilian civilization, a whole lizard city right under Los Angeles. Now he said he found it using Native American lore. I'm going to pause right here. As I did on the last episode about lizard people, there is no Native American lore about lizard people. None. None of that is true. Any site that says, and the Native American people wrote about it in the... No, they didn't. That site is bullshit. But all right, let's continue with this BS for a second. So this guy says that he used the Native American lore and found a story of buried, of buried gold. And it was the testimony of a man named L. Macklin, who never existed. How do I know? Well, this man, L. Macklin, was a Hopi Native American. So what I did was I went to the Hopi birth and death records, which are available online through the website of the Navajo Nation, and no person with the names of Macklin or Greenleaf, as he's sometimes called, are on there. So again, there's this guy, L. Macklin, who went by the name Little Chief Greenleaf and said he was from the Hopi tribe. Again, no, he's not. 
Now, Macklin said that the caverns were an old Hopi legend about an underground city built some 5,000 years ago by a race known as the Lizard People. So, Schufelt, armed with this nonsense and his radio x-ray machine, I'll talk about more of that in a second, started searching. He started searching for the caverns. Now, that radio x-ray machine supposedly revealed the location of one of three lost cities on the Pacific coast. The local one having been dug by the lizard people after, quote, the great catastrophe, which occurred about 5,000 years ago. The legendary catastrophe was in the form of a huge tongue of fire, which, quote, came out of the Southwest, destroying all life in its path. That path being seven, several hundred miles wide. The city underground was dug as a means of escaping future fires. Now, that all seems plausible, not all of it. The whole fire part, several hundred miles, that seems plausible. You gotta remember that just last year, a ton of California burnt down. And that's modern times. Supposedly, this took place 5,000 years ago. So, sure, California probably did burn several hundred miles wide, a number of times over the years. Do I think lizard people were there to witness it and build underground cities? Eh, probably not. Okay, so this underground city was dug with powerful chemicals by the lizard people, not picks and shovels, and it drained into the ocean. Now, the oceans are where the tunnels supposedly begin, so these tunnels ran from the ocean all the way to downtown Los Angeles. Now, the tide passing daily in and out of the lower tunnel port parts would force air into the upper tunnels, providing ventilation, and, quote, cleansed and sanitized the lower bathroom parts of the tunnels. So, these lizard people were at least clean lizard people. Now, the x-ray machine also showed large domed rooms that housed 1,000 families, quote, in the manner of a tall building and it held imperishable food supplies of the herb variety, and they were stored in the catacombs, and it also had immeasurable treasure. Here's my problem. So did the guy Greenleaf have all this information? Because every story I could find says that Schufelt found this stuff. So how did he find out this story about the fires going through there? How did he find out the story about the city being dug with powerful chemicals, not picks and shovels? How did he know that thousands, fam thousands of families in the matter of tall buildings lived under there with imperishable food supplies of the herb variety? How good was this x-ray radio machine? There's not a lot of details on how this information was found. The story keeps going. Don't worry. You're going to say, well, maybe he found it and read a book. Hold on. Just wait. Sorry, so Schufelt and his machine gave him a map of the catacombs, and he knew right where to dig, so dig he did. He bored down 250 feet, but that hole promptly filled with water. So he tried again. Bam! More water! This sounds a lot like Oak Island to me. So, could it be that Oak Island was done by lizard people 5,000 years ago? Maybe. All right, back to this guy. Uh, long story short, he was never able to drill down a hole 250 feet down without it filling with water, so he just gave up. Yep, he gave up. Supposedly, he found catacombs with immeasurable treasure, but he can't dig down 250 feet to get them. 
Alrighty, let's move on over to that radio x-ray thingy for a second. So Schufeld actually showed his radio x-ray device to a Los Angeles Times reporter to prove his claims and to get that backing, get the money. Surprise, it had nothing to do with either radio or x-rays. It was a dowsing pendulum. If you don't know what that is, that's where a practitioner swings a small pendulum, believing that its movements guide the way towards water or treasure. Now, Schufelt's dowsing pendulum was suspended from a tripod with an elaborate and hollow glass and metal case that he constructed. So he made his own pendulum that had neither radio or x-rays in it, and he said it took photos so clear that he could see food, dome ceilings, treasure, and other crap 250 feet down. But of course, there is zero proof that he had ever had any photos at all. The Los Angeles Times reporters didn't mention any photos. They didn't mention anything about proof of any of this. It was utter BS pseudoscience, and nothing ever came of it. Not only that, but how many tunnels and foundations for buildings have been built that far down all over Southern California, and yet not one mention ever of finding lizard people, tunnels, food, treasure, anything. The only thing they ever find when they dig that far down for the metro stations and other stuff are woolly mammoth tusks and bones and stuff like that from the tar pit areas. Never a mention of lizard people, not one. I've looked. Well, even though that seems like Schufelt was just an insane person with a very large pendulum and never found anything and couldn't figure out how to dig 250 feet down without hitting water, and his map is the most jumbled pile of crap that I've ever seen, well, there's still a large community that believes that lizard people live in caverns, not only under Los Angeles, but also inside Mount Shasta, which is 593 miles north of Los Angeles. Mount Shasta supposedly has lizard people, but it's also populated by an ancient race called the Lemurians. Lemurians? Lemurians. The who? I don't know. It's not important for this episode. Let's keep going to the always factual, not really, Wikipedia. Uh, Lemuria is a hypothetical lost land located either in the Indian or the Pacific Ocean as postulated by a now discredited 19th century scientific theory. The, the idea was then adopted by the occultists of the time and consequently have been incorporated into pop culture. Some Tamil writers have associated with the Kumari Kandam, a mythical lost continent, with an ancient Tamil, 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 I don't know, civilization located south of the present-day India in the Indian Ocean. All right. How does that tie into Mount Shasta, you might ask? I don't know. But there's more. Mount Shasta supposedly also has other creatures, such as Bigfoot, that I can buy, that I can believe, and small dwarf-like beings called the Guardians, now, they're also believed to live inside Mount Shasta in a grand, multi-level city called Telos. Sure. But, again, this episode is not about the Guardians or Bigfoot or Lemurians or any of that crap. Let's get back to them lizards. Okay, from there, let's move to 1947, to a bizarre tale of hollow earth reptilians and more. Now, I'll be honest, this next tale was going to be its own episode, but it fit right in with this one, so I had to include it with this one. And let me pause right here to say, 
The following bums me out because I love the story of Admiral Byrd and the Hollow Earth. But I'm sorry. Sadly, science does not back a key point to this story. But before I get too far ahead, here's the tale of Admiral Byrd and the Hollow Earth. The year is 1947. Famed explorer Admiral Richard Byrd, and he really was a famed explorer. He was the rock star of 1947. Famed explorer Admiral Richard Byrd had made several flights over Antarctica. Now that was known as Operation High Jump. It really existed, it really happened. Now while flying at the North Pole, he and his explorer team actually flew into or did an expedition into the hole at the poles of the Earth. No, he didn't, but let's keep going. So supposedly, he's flying over the holes, the North Pole, and he looks down and there's a ginormous hole at the poles of the Earth. Almost like, you know, where a globe would be held by the stand, you know, the, the two poles that shove into the top of a globe. If you were to take those out, there'd be giant holes. That's what it kind of looked like. The hole was written about in Admiral Byrd's secret diary. Let me pause right here. No, it wasn't. There is zero evidence that Byrd wrote the secret diary. I've read the secret diary. It's a jumbled pile of crap. Now, there is tons of evidence that it's a fabricated piece of bullshit. There's tons of evidence. I'm very sorry. Like I said, I love the story of Admiral Byrd. So much that I went out and bought a book called The Secret Diary of Admiral Byrd. That turned out to be utter nonsense. Alright, back to this tale though. So, the story goes, Admiral Byrd and his explorers, they're flying over the poles. They see this ginormous hole in the poles. And they supposedly entered this massive hole by plane. And landed inside the earth in a lush, tropical environment lit by, well... Something like a sun floating inside the earth itself. They could see this sunlight thing in this sun thing inside the earth in this ginormous, lush, tropical environment. Now, the cavern was filled with dinosaurs, blue reptoids. That's why it's on this episode. And these blue reptoids are riding woolly mammoths. And there's also vast lakes and there's beings with incredible ancient knowledge. These blue reptoids supposedly spoke to bird at length about what is happening? Oh, I get, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, they'll, I'll tell you the story of what they told Admiral Byrd in a second. There's, you know, there's ancient knowledge. There's UFOs down in there. And there's all sorts of advanced tech down there as well. Now, they welcomed Byrd and his men. And they told them tales before sending them on their way. And they told them not to speak of the inner world. Here's something fun. Depending on where you get your version of this BS tale, those blue reptoids in the earth, they were Nazis or friends with the Nazis because the Nazis had found this first, which is why supposedly the Nazis were doing all of those tests and trying to make their way up into the North Pole. Okay, now I have an excerpt of that completely made-up diary. It's dated February 19th, 1947, and it describes Byrd's arrival over the polar extremities at 1,000 hours. We are crossing over the small mountain range and still proceeding northward as best as as best as can be ascertained. Beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with a small river or stream running through the center portion. There should be no green valley below. Something is definitely wrong and abnormal here. We should be over ice and snow. 
To the port side are great forests growing on the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are spinning. The gyroscope is oscillating back and forth. I'm using air quotes here. Admiral Byrd continues, saying that he can see animals in the valley, among them a living specimen of a woolly mammoth. Eventually, after landing, the Admiral and his company are confronted by several men who take them before an entity known as, quote, the Master. And it just keeps going. It's bl it's really bad sci-fi. It's really bad. It's it's worse than those um, Star Trek novels from the 60s. Um, so let's continue on with what the Master said, though. Moving forward. The Master says, We shall not long delay your mission, and you will be safely escorted back to the surface and for a distance beyond. But now, Admiral, I should tell you why you have been summoned here. He was summoned there? Hmm, all right. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugelrods. Fun fact for everybody. Flugelrods are the Nazi-made UFO-looking ships. You can look them up. They really existed. They didn't really fly very well. They were round, UFO-shaped. The pilots would sit in the center or on the sides, I forget. They kind of just kind of bobbled back and forth. Didn't really go anywhere. Another fun fact, um, Americans went and got the Flugelrods and supposedly have made our own versions of them that might lead to a lot of UFO uh, reports. That might actually lead to a lot of UFO reports. There's a lot of stories. This is a side tangent, and I apologize. There's a lot of stories that the Americans went, took the Flugelrods, reverse engineered, made them better, and they also had the Canadians working on Flugelrods as well. There's a UFO encounter story that is really interesting that might have been one of these flugelrods. But that's a story for a different time. Let's get back to this uh, master reptilian. So he says, um, we sent our flying machines, the flugelrods, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear admiral, but I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must. For you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely, that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be witness here that our world does exist. Cool. That's a whole big speech that the, uh, that the master did there. Again, he flat out mentions flugelrods, which are Nazi UFOs, or Nazi ships that look like UFOs. So, hey, Master and Master Race uh, Reptilian Dude, F right off. Uh, so the story goes, they let Bird go. He goes to the president to warn him, and he is ordered to never, never to speak of this experience ever again. Continuing with this nonsense, the proof that a lot of sites use to show that Admiral Bird did actually find something, but was told to keep quiet by our government, is this. Supposedly, on March 5th, 1947, the El Mercurio newspaper of Santiago, Chile, had a headline article, quote, On board the Mount Olympus on the high seas. Give you a little backstory on that one. The Mount Olympus was the ship that Bird did travel on. That part is real. And frankly, spoiler, the interview probably happened, just not how the sites report on it now. What I mean by that is, Again, a lot of sites use this as proof that Admiral Byrd saw UFOs and saw the reptilians and everything. 
I'll get to why that's wrong in a second. So this story in the article says, it quotes Admiral Byrd in an interview with Lee Van Atta, and it said, Admiral Byrd declared today that it was imperative for the United States to initiate immediate defense measures against hostile regions. The Admiral further stated he didn't want to frighten anyone unduly, but that it was bitter reality that in case of a new war, the continental United, United States would be attacked by flying objects. Let me repeat this BS part. Flying objects, which could fly from pole to pole at incredible speeds. Earlier, he had recommended defense bases at the North Pole. Admiral Byrd repeated the above points of view, resulting from his personal knowledge gathered both at the North and South Poles before a news conference held for international news services. Sounds scary, right? He said flying objects and threats and they can go from pole to pole and boom, bam, done. Well, actually, no, he didn't. He didn't say anything about flying objects or UFOs, as a lot of sites misquote this article as saying. They say this is proof that Admiral Byrd saw UFOs. He qu They quote him right there saying UFOs and flying objects. Well... What he actually did say in that line was enemy aircraft. He said a new war near the continental United States would be attacked by enemy aircraft, which could fly over the poles at incredible speed. What he was talking about are enemy aircraft like real enemy airplanes flying over the poles to get to America quicker instead of going around the earth, going directly over the poles. There was nothing about UFOs. It was 1947. The world was just two years past World War II. He was concerned about enemy aircraft flying not around the world to get to America, but over the poles to get to us quickly. Yet, countless sites regurgitate this BS about UFOs and flying objects instead of finding the article and reading it themselves. Now, I took the time to find the original articles because I want the truth. Enemy aircraft. That's all it said. Everything I can find from the actual article says nothing about UFOs or flying objects. It says enemy aircraft. I had a friend who speaks Spanish actually read the article for me and went, he's talking about airplanes. Yep, sure is. Nothing more, nothing less. Again, if people would just take a couple of minutes to do the research, a lot of this BS would stop. So let's keep with the proof, okay? Let's get to science now. Again, Admiral Byrd was an amazing explorer. But you have to remember, it was 1947. They did not have the technology we have today. So with that being said, archivist Raymond Gurl, Raymond Gorl, G-O-E-R-L-E, at Ohio State University found the real flight diary of Admiral Byrd. They have an insanely large archive of Bird's stuff. Actual things, not the secret BS diary, his actual diary. The flight diary from Admiral Bird in his own handwriting. Basically, what they did was they examined the diary, more importantly, the erased bits in the diary. And they found that Admiral Bird, quote, almost certainly fell short of his polar destination and must have known at the time that he had not succeeded. Again, very clearly, using science, using his actual flight diary and the stuff that he erased very quickly, he did not make it 
to the North Pole. And at the time, he knew he didn't. So based on these problems, a lot of scientists think that Bird could well have believed he had reached the pole and then realized, oh crap, I did something wrong. I, I input something incorrectly. I did something wrong. And in, he, and in fact, he was as much as 78 miles short or 21 miles past the pole. He never made it to the pole. He went around. He never made it to the pole. So it's serious questions if Bird ever even made it to the poles, and it's seriously in doubt that he did and made it inside the Earth for that whole BS. Now, I'm sorry to say this, but Bird probably did not even reach the poles when he supposedly made it to the poles that he wrote down. It didn't happen. As much as I want to believe in a hollow Earth and what Bird said, except for the whole, you know, Nazi crap, there is, it's BS. I'm sorry. Bird has zero to do with it. Like I said, I didn't even want to disprove Bird. He really was an amazing explorer, but as far as the hollow earth, there's zero proof he even made it that far. Zero proof of anything else. I already know I'm going to get a ton of messages about, well, I read that secret diary and he had to hide it because of the government and the threats and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, that book that's supposedly a secret diary is a proven fake. Not proven fake by me, proven fake by numerous people. His real journals are out there. They're really interesting, but there is nothing paranormal in them. All right, look, the reason I'm saying this is that I got a ton of flack about the La Llorona uh, episode. Yeah, I realized I said it wrong. I admitted I said it wrong on the episode, but that wasn't what the flack that I got was. I got messages like this. My grandma told me she's real. You're wrong. Okay, I would reply, oh, did your grandma see her? If so, I'd love to hear that story because, cool, tell me I'm wrong. Prove me I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. I want La Llorona and all those kind of things to be real. I want to hear those stories. Here's the response I got back, though. No, my grandma never saw her, but her neighbor's uncle's dog did when she was a kid. Nope. Fuck right off with that quote-unquote proof. Look. Love me or hate me, at least I try and research both sides. All sides. I try to get to the bottom of these bizarre tales, and it's not easy to do because of all the BS out there. If you have actual proof, if you're a witness to something paranormal, I'll believe you. I want to believe you. But if you don't, but if you haven't seen it, but your uncle's, your great uncle's neighbor's son's cousin did, nope, fuck right off with that. That is not proof in any way, shape, or form. Anyhow, back to the lizards. All right, let's move on to lizards in our government. That's right, there are countless videos that show shape-shifting lizards. I'll be honest, one video kind of freaked me out even. It's a, a Secret Service agent, and he morphs right in front of my eyes in the video. Or does he? Now, this is sad debunk time. Sorry, tinfoil hat wearers, there is no video proof of reptoids, reptilians, shapeshifters, any of that. How do I know? Well, I'm not going to debunk it. I'm going to let science debunk it. The glitches you see that is supposed proof of slits of eyes or shapeshifting is nothing more than noise on the videotape. You see, the way it's recorded and the process it uses causes compression. In fact, there's a technical term. It's called compression artifacts. Or simply put, noise in the signal. First, 
they upload the um, first uploads of digital videos might have glitches in the upload, but they don't have this kind of compression artifact. And this compression artifact, surprise, is in every Reptoid shape-shifting video on YouTube. Again, this is not me debunking it. This is science. They looked at these kind of videos and went, oh no, that ex that's compression. That's a compression artifact right there. It's very simple. The way that the video is done, it blurs the lines. It morphs stuff that doesn't actually morph. It isn't actually there. It's a compression artifact. Now, every one of these videos have been debunked. Even that cool Secret Service agent video. Now, if you're such a believer in the shape-shifting lizard people, then find me one clean, properly lit, digital video. Just one. I'm not talking about a recording from the Barbara Walters special in 1993 or the Clinton inauguration in whatever year that is or Obama in whatever year that is or Trump in whatever year that is. That's right. I'm using Trump and I'll get to that in a minute. You can't find one clean, properly lit digital video that isn't a video of a video of a video of a video, etc. that has finally been uploaded to YouTube. Or a guy using his cell phone to video the TV screen and then uploading it to YouTube. Because guess what happens when you upload a video to YouTube? More compression. Oh, you know how I know about this? Because I watched hours of these videos. After I found out about this thing called compression artifact, I watched hours literally hours of reptoid shape-shifting videos, of reptilian people videos, of lizard people videos, of every other freaking term for lizard people. I watched hours of them. Obama's Secret Service, Clinton's, the Trump's. None show anything that would prove to me that any lizard shapeshifters are protecting our presidents. Also, why would they? Why Secret Service agents? Why are most of them of the Secret Service agents and not of the presidents themselves? Sure, there's a lot of videos that say that, ooh, look at Hillary Clinton's eyes. Ooh, look at Obama turn his head that way. Ooh, look at Trump, you know, with his fat fucking face. Uh, look at him look down. He looks like a lizard. But most of these are actual Secret Service agent videos. Why them? I get that some people think that lizard people and their ancient knowledge and high tech are members of the NWO and have been put into positions of power, but why secret service agents and not the presidents themselves? I don't get that. Now there is one video that I am gonna talk about real quick right here. Now this video is supposed to be about Hillary Clinton being a shapeshifter. Again, I'm not talking about politics at all in this episode, other than the fact that I'm talking about politicians right now. I don't care what you think about Hillary Clinton. I don't care what you think about Trump. I don't care what you think about Obama. Focus on the lizard people part of this, please, for this episode. So there's this video about Hillary Clinton supposedly being a shapeshifter alien. So, oh, I gotta watch that one. I watched hours of this stuff. For you guys, I gotta watch that one too. Well, what did that video turn out to be? It turned out to be a video of Hillary Clinton from some freaking thing from C-SPAN doing the Macarena. Not only that, but there's shittier lyrics to the Macarena for this video. 
Now, since I had to watch it, you guys have to listen to it for a minute. That's all I'm going to play for that because the video is called Proof Hillary Clinton is an Extraterrestrial Reptilian Shapeshifter. F you, Chaffenheimer, and your crappy video. I'm giving it a thumbs down right now. So, like I said, tons of videos, hours of them, all about reptilian and lizard shapeshifters. Here's what I found in a nutshell. Anytime, anyone a politician, a celebrity, a reporter, anybody, twitches, looks shocked, turns their head quickly, it seems to be enough for someone to upload the video as proof of lizard people. Conan O'Brien licking his lips in an interview? Bam! Lizard people that they slowed it down and showed it like 50 freaking times in the video. He was in an interview. He obviously had a little bit of dry mouth and licked his lips, but nope. That's lizard people. There's also so many images that make it look to celebrities have slits for eyes, like a lizard's eyes. One of them includes Dove Cameron. Look, I've interviewed and met Dove Cameron a few times. She does not have slits for eyes. Another one, Miley Cyrus blinks a bit. Boom, lizards. I'm going to get back to Miley Cyrus in a minute here. Mark Zuckerberg, here's real proof. During a Q&A session, Mark read... Quote, Mark, are the allegations true that you're secretly a lizard? And he says, I'm going to have to go with no on that. He then added, I am not a lizard, before pausing and licking his lips. This is stupid. Obviously, he's messing around. He's joking around. He is not a lizard, people. Sorry, a lizard person, whatever. Um, then there's this website that says there's proof that Justin Bieber is a lizard shapeshifter because in 2017... Hundreds of fans had spotted Justin shapeshifting into his true scaly form before their eyes. One witness reported to Perth Now, quote, he was hanging around with this big guy, his bodyguard, I guess, and we were just staring because he kept turning into a huge reptile. His bodyguard was pointing at us, shouting that he'd kick our teeth in if we didn't put our phones away. Some people even claim they had video proof. Well, this Perth Now article which seemed to have been a joke article, which was dumb, uh, was uh, deleted. It is completely fake. Perth now even completely denied the article. They said, nope, sorry, it wasn't real. Boom. Gotta be a lizard person. There's a video of Elvis Presley. Well, it's a crappy video showing Elvis quote-unquote shapeshifting, except it doesn't. This is a classic example of compression artifact. It's a 60-year-old film transferred to video to another video probably 10 more times, then uploaded to YouTube. Nothing but compression. Again, feel free to send me links to ones where you fully believe this is real. But before you do that, listen to this next story. Because it's not real. Don't send me this one. There is an interview that Miley Cyrus did with Barbara Walters. Now, in this video that this a lot of people have uploaded, there's a, like a snippet of the Barbara Walters interview. And in this video, Miley's pupils blink. That's right. 
her pupils become little slits and they blink. There's a video on YouTube, so it has to be true. Except no, she didn't. Because I watched the actual Barbara Walters interview with Miley Cyrus, the eight minute interview. This is the interview that this clip is from. Now I'll post the clip on YouTube or I'll post the clip on Facebook and guess what? The actual Barbara Walters interview doesn't have that pupil blinking. It's almost as if someone digitally added it and then uploaded it to YouTube to get hits. Now let me tell you that eight minute interview was eight minutes longer than I ever wanted to watch an interview with Miley Cyrus. But again, I did it for you guys. I sat and stared at Miley's eyes on a 65 inch TV for eight minutes. And I even split screen the YouTube eye video with the Barbara Walters one to find the exact second that this weird blink supposedly happened. And guess what? It didn't happen. People digitally add stuff to videos so they can get hits. Nothing more, nothing less. Alrighty. This episode's getting long, so I'm gonna go real quick. Here's a quick list of the most popular lizard people in positions of power. Ready? Queen Elizabeth and the entire royal family. Yep, all lizard people. George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Henry Kissinger, Bill and Hillary Clinton. And that's neat that both, that uh, Bill managed to find another lizard person to marry and I guess that would mean Chelsea's a lizard person too, but they don't mention that one. Uh, Jerome Powell, uh, Jack Nicholson, Benedict Cumberbatch. This one's great. They say the reason that Benedict Cumberbatch is a lizard person is because he's really tall and lanky with a really long neck and he has the ability to kind of become other characters. That's called acting. Uh, we got Sean Connery, Roger Moore, so two of the James Bonds, Angelina Jolie. Again, how could she be a lizard person without John Voight being one? I don't get that. Uh, Anderson Cooper, of course. Bob Hope. They picked Bob Hope. All right. Nikola Tesla, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. We already talked about him. Elon Musk. And this one's my favorite because they always give a little snippet of what these people are. Like Bob Hope, American actor. Roger Moore, British actor. Well, this last one on this list, Jesus Christ, founder of Christianity. Okay. Could also have said, you know, son of God or any of that stuff, but all right. So supposedly Jesus Christ himself was a lizard person. Basically, reptilian shapeshifters are infiltrating every aspect of government and positions of power to further the NWO agenda. Duh. Now there's another guy. His name is paleontologist Dale Russell. And this is going to be very brief because it's so stupid. In a thought experiment published in 1982, paleontologist Dale Russell, curator of the vertebrate fossils at the National Museum of Canada in Ottawa, well, he conjectured that that had the meteorite not exterminated the dinosaurs 65 million years ago, bipedal predators, theropods, which existed at the time, such as Trudon, would have evolved into intelligent beings similar in body plans to humans. That's all he said. Had this meteorite not killed the dinosaurs 65 million years ago, they would have evolved. Some of them probably would have evolved similar in body plans to humans. That's all it takes for people to go down the rabbit hole of, did a dinosaur species survive and then thrive? Have they been here the whole time? Is that the reason behind all these ancient civilizations in Peru and, and Chichenia or whatever the hell it's called? 
uh, in Peru and Egypt and basically every, uh, the Mayans, every ancient civilization were actually lizard people. All right. If that is the case, where did the lizard people go? Did they all go underground? Did they all go to the holes of the earth? Seems like if they had been here for 65 million years, they'd be still here. Be, be, they'd be the predominant species here. None of this makes any sense to me. Okay, now for the big one. This is the real reason I did this story. I had a patron ask me about this story. And I said, oh yeah, I definitely want to do that one. And I got it all set up and ready to go for a different episode. That episode really didn't happen. I mean, it's going to happen, but that episode uh, kind of took off its own thing. It was supposed to be part of an interview episode about aliens. Doesn't matter. Basically, I loved the Admiral Byrd story, but the main reason for this episode is a story so convoluted, so filled with players that it has taken me a while to sift through the crap out there to tell a hopefully sort of cohesive tale. It's a tale about lizard people and aliens in underground bases in Dulce, New Mexico. This is a big one. Now, shockingly, there is some proof that an underground base may exist there. It's not definitive proof, but there is a lot of proof out there. There's something there. So there is proof of something on this episode. But before I get into that, let's hear the story. Once again, there's a place in New Mexico that military bases that we know exist are aplenty, but some say a secret base is right in the heart of Dulce, New Mexico. Now, Dulce is on the Colorado-New Mexico border. It's a small town with a Native American reservation. And like I said, it's, a, it's rumored to hold or have an underground military base within the Archuleta Mesa. The Archuleta Mesa sits on the Native American reservation itself. The first person involved in this tale is Philip Schneider. So let's start with Philip. He was an explosive engineer that worked for the U.S. government. Now, supposedly with a high-level security clearance. Now, Philip claimed that in 1979, he participated in the building of this, quote, secret underground base. Big deal. We know that Area 51 exists and parts of it are underground. And we know that there are many underground bases, military bases, stuff for the president to protect the president. They're all underground. So, big deal. Why am I talking about this one? Well, it was at this base that a battle of sorts happened. Now, the story goes that 60 humans died and many more lizard people died in a crazy underground battle. Okay, do I have your attention again? Let's get into this one. So while the military was boring into the ground for this underground base, they encountered a problem with the drills or they hit something or something stopped the drill altogether, depending on where you get your information from. So... The FBI, Green Berets, and Philip went down the hole to see what the issue was. Now, they were shocked that there was already an underground base there. And it was filled with gray aliens and reptilians. Now, not surprisingly, the gray aliens and reptilians weren't pleased to see the military. So Philip, seeing an alien, immediately grabs his gun and he shot at the alien. This part I can believe. Because that's how Americans tend to react to aliens. Shoot first. Oh my God, there's an alien. I'm going to shoot it. Oh my God, there's something weird. I'm going to shoot it. All right, so I believe this part. So Philip shot and killed not one, but two aliens. Sharp shooting Philip killed two aliens right off the bat. 
Now, the other aliens pulled their space weapons. That's how they keep referring to it. So I'm going to refer to it as space weapons. And they shot a, quote, laser blast at Philip, and it blew off some of, some of his fingers. Some of his fingers blew off. Let me pause right here. Yes, you can see many videos of Philip, and yes, he's missing fingers. But let's keep going. So his fingers get blasted off. A green beret that was standing by him shot and killed that alien. So now we have a full-blown alien-human battle going on in an underground base that we didn't even know existed yet. Now when the dust settles, 60 humans were killed, and quote, countless aliens were also dead. It was a bloody mess. Somehow, a ceasefire happened, and eventually, a treaty was signed with the agreement that the military began trading rights to perform genetic tests on citizens and wildlife in exchange for the aliens' technology and the shared use of the base. Let me uh, break that down for a second. So the treaty was, yeah, we get to use the base. We also get some of the alien technology. That's cool. And in exchange, the aliens get to perform genetic tests on citizens and wildlife in the area. Let me ask you this. What the hell were the aliens doing at the base anyway? They built it. It was already there. It's supposedly been there for a while. There's tons of cattle mutilations going on anyway. It seems like the aliens were already doing genetic tests on citizens and wildlife. So what are they, what are they getting out of it? That we're going to look the other way now? That the government's going to look the other way and be like, yeah, it's okay. You can mess with cows and people. We don't care. Now, this is supposedly the primary cause of the weird genetic and fertility tests that some supposed abductees in the area reported. And that includes cattle with bizarre fetuses that look like genetic manipulations. I'll talk about them in a minute. And other things that happened to the people themselves, the abductees themselves. This, this treaty is the reason why the victims of these abductions, of these abductions, are sometimes told things to the effect of, quote, you agreed to this, and, quote, the babies are ours when they were abducted. Okay, sure. I can't prove any of that. Also, there's a high number of cattle mutilations in the area, and it's been going on forever with all of the basics of a cattle mutilation. Remove parts, no blood, laser-like precisions and cuts, cows moved to other locations by something, and black unmarked helicopters seen in the area after the cows are found or when the cows go missing. Like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on here. But before we get further into the base and what happened there, let me keep with Philip Schneider for a bit, because he became very outspoken against the aliens and what our governments know about them and is hiding about them. Now, I guess I would too if I lost fingers in an alien underground battle. Speaking of that, debunk time. A former roommate of Philip's came forward to say that Philip previously told him that he lost his fingers working in an Eastern Oregon, working in Eastern Oregon as a lineman. Which, guess what? Philip did work as a lineman. So, huge grain of salt that his fingers were blasted off in an underground battle with aliens. Well, good old Philip believed that there are seven benevolent alien species currently living on Earth and four evil species. Hint, reptoids. Reptoids are always the evil species. Why? Don't know. Anyhow, these reptoid aliens, by the way, consider themselves, quote, native Terrans. They're an ancient race descended from a reptilian human species, which was crossbred, 
which was crossbred with sapient humans. So now these alien reptoids are native Terrans. They're an ancient race. They're descended from reptilian humanoid species, which crossbred with sapient humans. Kind of like they're saying now that Homo sapiens might have crossbred with Homo erectus and all those other ones. Well, apparently there was another branch in there, and that branch happened to be reptilian humanoids. Now, he also goes on to say that the U.S. government has signed four treaties with the aliens. One in 1944, one in 1954, 1962, and 1979. One of those treaties I really believe happened. I talked about it on a past episode. It's very interesting that he mentioned that one, but I don't know when he said this. He could have said this after all of this news stories about this treaty, this one treaty, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to listen to all the episodes. Anyhow, it's very interesting that he brought up that one. But again, I don't know when he brought it up. Uh, by the way, the rest of those uh, treaties I am looking into for a possible future episode. Now, Philip would often state that we made a treaty with the aliens at Dulce and worked with them in the underground base. That work continues to this day. He says he was present at high-level meetings in the Dumbs. The what? The Dumbs. That's right. D-U-M-B. Deep Underground Military Base. They're called Dumbs, apparently. Anyhow, uh, he said that that he was present at high-level meetings in these underground bases, and it's basically happening to this day, modern-day-ish, because Philip was so outspoken, and he knew too many things, and that brings us to 1996 in this story. Because in January 1996, to be exact, Philip Schneider died. His death was ruled a suicide. But here's the thing. There are events leading up to it that are considered fishy, mysterious, strange, sketchy by a lot of people. And I have to say, there are some odd things about his suicide. Because it seems that in May 1995, Philip talked publicly about the alien agenda, the New World Order, black budget, secret military bases, reptoids, our treaties with the aliens, and more. And when he did die, less than a year later... Neither the police nor the medical examiners ever did an investigation into his death. When his colleagues and friends went to get his work following his death, his manuscripts, photos, and all of his notes were gone. That is a little odd. I'll give him that. It's kind of like what happened with Tesla, where all of a sudden, all of his work is gone. There is something funky about that. Now, Philip was found by his friend Al Pratt, who says that for several days, he suspected something was wrong with Schneider. Because for several days in a row, Al went to the apartment of Philip, and he says he saw the car down in the parking lot, but nobody ever answered the door. Five days later, he decided to call the police and the manager of the building, and they entered the apartment. That's when they found Philip's body. Now, I can say that Philip was a real person. He did seem to commit suicide, or at least suicide is ruled as the cause of his death. He did exist. He did seem to have a military past. And he talked at great lengths about the Dulce and the aliens and India and NWO and all of that stuff. He really made the circuit at alien conventions. He was really deep into this stuff. Can I say he was shot at by aliens in an underground base? Nope. Can I find any proof that he was in an underground base in Dulce? Nope. But it is weird. Some of the stuff about Philip does seem to be true. 
His notes do seem to be gone. Now, again, I'm basing a lot of this on a lot of sketchy information from a bunch of different sites. But a bunch of different sites all say his manuscripts, photos, notes, all of that stuff were gone after he was found dead. Now let's focus, uh, let's get off Philip for a little bit. That seemed to be the end of Philip. So let's focus on the Dulce base a little bit. Like I said, there is some proof that a secret military base does exist in Dulce. There was a local newspaper who interviewed Dulce residents on the Apache reservation. Now again, that's home to some 2,500 people. Residents of the reservation are quick to discuss their experiences, what they've seen. They've seen strange lights and objects in the sky and UFOs and strange phenomenon. All of them are around the base, which is supposedly where the base exists, where it is. It's in that mesa, that Archuleta Mesa. So there, there are numerous reports coming from the reservation of odd things happening around that mesa. Now, I will say that because of all this information getting out there, all this stuff getting out there about the Dulce base, this has actually put the town on the map for UFO tourists. So some of these stories do seem to be there just to drive tourists in there. I'm not saying they're all fake. That's, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. There are a lot of reports that seem genuine, a number of reports that seem to corroborate other reports. I'm not saying they're all fake, but I am saying there are some that do seem to be strictly for the UFO tourists. All right, now that I'm focusing on the Dulce base, the next person to enter this story is a state trooper named Gabe Valdez. In 1975, he reported a lot about the cattle mutilations. He went out and looked at a lot of the cattle mutilations. Now, in a field outside of Dulce, Valdez said he discovered a fetus inside the cattle that he described as, quote, looking like a human, a monkey, and a frog. It didn't have any bones in the head. It was full of, it was all full of water. He said what he saw looked like, quote, an incubation chamber for a cloned creature. After seeing and talking about the carcass, Valdez said he found listening devices in his home and reported UFO sightings. I can't find any, there's a lot of sites that talk about this, but I can't prove any of these are true straight from Gabe Valdez and not made up about him. But it does seem to be true. There's a lot of videos, a lot of stuff. He did talk a lot about this. Now, he claims there are four underground bases at Dulce. He says they're now inactive. But he does not believe there were any alien beings there. So, so sticking with Gabe for a minute, there is an unofficial Gabe Valdez site. They have a lot of crazy tales, supposedly from Valdez. Again, I can't corroborate any of them from anywhere else. So, yeah, grain of salt stuff here. But... According to that site, on one occasion, Valdez's teams cornered an orange light in a field. As they approached it, the light went out. Then, although they could see nothing, they heard a muffled sound like a lawnmower engine pass over their heads. Another time, Valdez and two, and two colleagues ducked beneath an object that he described as a disc-shaped, rotorless, and dazzling bright object. Valdez described the noise it made as it flew overhead as a putt-putt-putting or a ticking, hardly the sound of advanced alien technology. That's what he says. Now, on the Manuel Gomez ranch, they had lost four cattle to mutilations between 1976 and June 1978 when a, team of, when a team of investigators, which included Tom Adams, arrived from Paris, Texas to examine the site of the carcasses. Curious as to how the cattle were being selected by the mysterious mutilators, 
An interesting experiment was conducted on July 5th, 1978 by Gabe Valdez. Now, Valdez, Gomez, the guy that owned the ranch, and a retired scientist named Howard Burgess pinned about 120 of the Gomez beef cattle, and by pinning means, you know, bringing them all into a pen, and moved them through a squeeze chute under an ultraviolet light. They found, quote, a glittery substance on the right side of the neck, the right ear, and the right leg. Samples of the affected hides were removed as well as control samples from the same animals. Schoenfeld, Schoenfeld Clinical Laboratories in Albuquerque analyzed these samples and found significant deposits of potassium and magnesium. The potassium content was 70 times above normal. Let me pause right here. Schoenfeld Clinical Laboratory in Albuquerque does exist. I contacted them by email in regards to these samples. I have yet to hear back from them, but if I do, I will let everybody know. Don't worry. I'll talk about it on future episodes. I'll post it on Facebook. I'll do everything I can. If I can find proof that they actually did these samples, they had these samples and found significant deposits of, of potassium and magnesium, I'll get back to you guys. All right. So that about wraps it up for Gabe Valdez, but not this story, even by a long shot. Because there are a high number of cattle mutilations and UFOs spotted all around the, uh, the Dulce base. Not just in that one uh, Manuel Gomez ranch. All around there. Not only that, but many eyewitnesses see UFOs go right into the mountain and disappear. There are a lot of tales of watching a light in the sky go right into the side of the mountain, the Archuleta Mesa, and poof, disappear. There are stories of vehicles going poof into the, just disappearing. A lot of them. I'm not going to tell you all of them. Just in a nutshell, just know there are a lot of eyewitnesses that see UFOs go right into the Archuleta Mesa and disappear. I can also find a lot of eyewitnesses that talk about lights, sounds, things around the base. There's a lot of background noise when long range microphones are pointed towards where the base is. They also see military planes and helicopters. A lot of the times, the helicopters are black helicopters, unmarked helicopters. They're always seen in the area at all hours. But there are known military bases in the area, not at the base, at the Dulce base, but in the area. They're known bases. So, you know, there's explanations to why they're seeing stuff out there. Now, local police do get a ton of calls about UFOs. Now, I can't verify this one either, but there is also radiation spikes in that area and ultra-low frequencies reported from there as well. Extreme ultra-low frequencies seem to come from where the Dulce base is supposed, is supposed to be. A Native American in the area wrote, that, uh, wrote in a chat room about Dulce. He said, Using a game and fishing officer's thermal camera, one time we thought we saw something that was maybe an exhaust venting. We really couldn't tell. When we checked on it later, we couldn't see that heat anymore. There's really no explanation of what it was. I do have my reservations, but I think it's a possibility that what we caught was an exhaust vent. There is a lot of talk about underground military bases having to, event, having to vent exhaust every now and then. And if you have a thermal camera pointed at it at the time, it will show up. So it's interesting, but who's to say that's true? There is also a huge group of people online that seem to think that all of Dulce is a government misinformation to make people think 
that uh, make people that believe in UFOs look stupid. Why? I don't know. Is it working? Nope. So I'm going to move on past that one. Just know that a lot of people think that government misinformation runs rampant in Dulce. There is also some conspiracy theorists, quote, in the know that say that the Defense Intelligence Agency is the one running genetic experiments in Dulce. So it's not aliens. It's our own government, the American government. I found something else from a local in the area that doesn't believe in the base wrote this. The Dulce Mesa is conspicuously absent of any evidence of tailing dumps, railroads for underground boring excavations, electrical substations, which are clearly evident near some underground bases, ventilation fans, and whatnot. The only thing remotely suggestive is a large and active mining operation some distance to the east of Dulce on the eastern side of the nearby Mesa. So basically what they're saying is, hey, all the stuff that we can find at other known underground bases, we can't find at Dulce. Almost all the stories say that the base was built in or found in 1979. But again, online, I found some residents that say it's much older. Look, you're really going to need to tighten up the tinfoil hat for this part of it. Because there's a comment found online about the construction of Dulce Base. And they say troops went in and out of there every summer starting in 1947. The Native Americans do recall they also built a road right in front of the people of Dulce and trucks went in and out for a long period. That road was later blocked and even later destroyed. The signs on the truck were the Smith Corps out of Paragosa Springs, Colorado. No such corporation exists now. No records exist. This is all from the same person. I didn't back any of this. They go on to say, I believe in the base. At least the first one was being built then and under the cover of a lumbering project. Problem, they never hauled logs, only big equipment. There were also 650 attendees at the 1959 Rand Symposium. Most were representatives of the corporate industrial state like General Electric, AT&T, Hughes Aircraft, Northrop, and the Bechtel Corps, B-E-C-H-T-E-L. It is a super secret international corporate octopus found in 1898. Some say the firm is really a shadow government, a working arm of the CIA. It's the largest construction and engineering outfit in the United States and the world. Some say beyond. The most important posts in the United States government are held by former Bechtel officers. They are part of, quote, the web, an interconnected control system, which links the trilateralist plans, the CFR, the orders of the Illuminati, and other interlocking groups. Whew, that was a whole lot of crazy in one little paragraph. Um, can I prove any of that? Nope. It is literally just a comment online about Dulce that I found that I thought was so batshit crazy that I had to add it to it. Am I going to look into Bechtel? Probably. If Bechtel is what this person says it is, hey, Bechtel people, don't kill me. I don't care either way. If you are an octopus secret part of the super secret international corporate octopus founded in 1898. Cool. Good on ya. I don't care. Don't shoot me. I'm just the podcast host. Okay. That out of the way. Um, let's talk about the next key player in Dulce and about reptoids. And it's the story of Paul Benowitz. I told you guys this was going to be a long one. Okay, Paul Benowitz began picking up what he claimed to be radio transmissions between the government forces and aliens emanating from the Mesa, which he became convinced were some sort of secretive underground base. Makes sense. 
he's hearing radio transmissions between government forces and aliens. Seems odd that those radio transmissions weren't uh, encoded at all, but sure, Paul. So, Paul became one of the most outspoken people about Dulce and the aliens in it. He would frequently talk about reptoids and greys doing genetic experiments in coordination with the U.S. government at the base. Basically what everybody else is already saying. Now, supposedly, Paul's research revealed information he said that made government officials nervous. To prevent him from further discovering secret programs, government operatives, namely Richard Doty, D-O-T-Y, were tasked with feeding Benowitz false stories about the base. They also told him about other UFO nonsense. Now, most people think Benowitz was an unknowing false information tool. They would basically feed him crazy stories, he would tell the world, making him look stupid, and the Dulce story sounds so far-fetched that no one would believe it or care about it. He says... Hi, Stitch. He says they employed the help of famous ufologist William Moore, who co-authored the book The Roswell Incident. So Doty and Moore basically drove Benowitz crazy, and he ultimately died insane. Okay. For some reason... Paul Benowitz and his stories either prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Dulce is real or they prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of Dulce is a government misinformation site. That everything about it was fed to Paul Benowitz so he could tell the world to make him look stupid and it sound stupid. Sure, I can tell you he was real. He did exist. He did die. But that's about all we need to tell about him. And that brings us to the next person in this tale. Because I'm sure some of you know a little bit about Dulce. You probably read some books about it or looked it up online. And you want me to talk about Thomas Costello. Thomas Costello is, quote, a security guard that said he witnessed Phillips' gunfight. Except, again, I'm sorry, there is zero proof that Thomas Costello ever existed. That's not coming from just me. I looked him up too, but that's coming from a lot of people that have looked into this story. There is zero proof that Thomas Costello ever existed. And he has never done any interviews, nor are there any photos of him. There's a lot of sites that quote him, but he has never done any interviews. There's no video, there's no photos, there is nothing. Any semi-deep dive will show that Thomas Costello isn't real. There are no school records, no tax records. No marriage certificate, even though supposedly he and his wife and his kids were abducted and never seen again. Spoiler of a sort. Uh, sorry, guys, he doesn't exist. And the proof photo of an alien incubation chamber that was supposedly leaked by Costello, who once again supposedly was a security guard there, the story is he came out to the public and said, look, I worked at Dulce. I was there when the battle happened. Here is a photo of the alien incubation chambers deep within Dulce, New Mexico. Guess what? That photo is from a crappy Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called The Sixth Day. It's not real. Stop using it as proof that some genetic mutilations are going on under Dulce. Again, there's zero proof he existed. Not coming from just me, coming from everybody who has actually looked into this. Now, I know there's some serious conspiracy theorists that think I'm a government plant, who uh, is here to put out fake information and try and dissuade the truth from people, but sorry, I'm not. I do think there is something going on at Dulce. There's a lot of stuff that makes me think there is something there. 
I think UFOs do have something to do with this possible secret military base. But again, me thinking that doesn't mean I have to believe everything about Dulce. There is stuff that is possibly true and stuff that is definitely false. And Thomas Costello lands in the definitely fake thing. The incubation photos, the alien incubation chamber, definitely fake. It's from a movie called The Sixth Day, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that you can find right now. It is easily debunkable. Now, the interviews that uh, with Thomas Costello are never with him, but only quote him. Surprise, they're all the same BS, which can be linked back to BS sites. Now, in these quote interviews, he says that his parents died in a car crash. Yet, many people say the proof that Thomas was real and was abducted and never seen again is because there's a YouTube interview, uh, YouTube interview video with Thomas's dad that I watched that was really boring, really fake, so fake it was painful. It's not with some guys, it's not Thomas's dad. Some old guy making up a story. It's very obvious. Come on, people. All right. Also, don't bring up another name for me. Cherry Hinkle, who is, quote, an expert on the Dulce base. She says those sixth day photos from the movie are real. She also says that the Devil's Tower is a ginormous fossilized tree. No, it isn't. It's just not. That's a dumb conspiracy theory people have been trying to get off the ground for a while now. She is batshit crazy into this stuff. Within one minute, I was able to determine not only was it made up stuff, but it was fake stuff, not even about Dulce. She quotes stuff that's not even about Dulce and says it is. I'm not wasting any more of my time on this whack job. All right, next. All right, next person on this list. There is one person, a political scientist named Michael Barkin. Now, he said something interesting. He said that known Cold War underground missile installations dug out in the area does give a, quote, superficial plausibility to the Dulce base. And frankly, that seems like the most intelligent thing anyone said about Dulce so far on this episode. He says, look, we can prove it. They, we know that there are Cold War underground military installations dug out in the area. They easily could have done the same thing at the Dulce base. There is plausibility about that. Okay, and with that, that leads me to one more person on this edition. That person is David Ick. That's right, it's David Ick time. David Ick is interesting, kind of. He was an English footballer and a sports commentator, but since 1991, all he's been talking about is reptoids and how the world is secretly controlled by evil, shape-shifting lizard people from the fourth dimension. His main conspiracy theory is that the Babylonian Brotherhood all members of the media, the scientific community, the banking systems, and religions, and militaries of the world nations are mere foot soldiers of the conspiracy. These stooges are in turn controlled by the usual suspects, the United Nations, the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Rothschilds, the World Bank, etc. All these people are merely puppets of the global elite, which are controlled by, quote, the prison wardens. Who are the prison wardens? I'll let you guess. If you said reptoids, you'd be right. Because in the late 1800s, a controversial document came to light called the Protocols, Protocols of the Elders of Zion. He says, I call them the Illuminati Protocols, and I quote many, extra, many extracts from them in the Robots Rebellion. I mean, 
here's the thing about David Ick. Have you ever seen the Pepe Silva episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? This is David Ick to a, you know, perfect, that's a perfect description of David Ick. Pepe Sylvia, this name keeps coming up over and over again. Every day, Pepe's mail's getting sent back to me. Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. I look at the mail, well, this whole box is Pepe Sylvia. So I say to myself, I gotta find this guy. I gotta go up to his office. I gotta put his mail in the guy's goddamn hands. Otherwise, he's never gonna get it. It's gonna keep coming back down here. So I go up to Pepe's office, and what do I find out, Matt? What do I find out? There is no Pepe Sylvia. The man does not exist, okay? Everything is everything. It's just batshit crazy theories that all connect to the Illuminati and the Rothschilds and all this other shit but they all have this underground, underbelly person in there. And that person are not Pepe Silvia, but the reptoids. I can't keep track of all the bullshit that uh, Ick talks about. So I'll focus on Dulce only. Ick says that the reptoids there are in control. They are the elders. They treat humans and other animals at Earth as their playthings to experiment on. He says that the reptoids are in every position of power and surprise have zero proof to back anything up. No proof for any of this. How exactly is he connected to Dulce? Well, to me, it seems he heard about Dulce and kind of globbed onto it with no connections or any added proof from him at all. He seems to hear about crazy conspiracy theories and he runs with them. His website is a mess of theories and videos and misinformation. Now, you know those people, I'm sure you know one of them. You know those people that have like 500 tabs open on their browsers because they quote, need them all? You know, it's just this jumbled mess of craziness. Well, that's David Ick. His website is a mess. I did find that Ick believes that the reptoids are actually the sworn enemies of the greys, but the claims about who's allied with whom don't really seem to be all that consistent from page to page and video to video on his website. He does seem consistent with fears that the, repti the reptilian humanoids are secretly, are secretly transforming the earth into a global fascist state. I mean, it's, it runs deep and it runs crazy and it runs in all directions on his website. Ick wrote that thousands of years ago, the reptilian beings from the constellations Orion, Sirius, and Draco intervened on planet earth and began interbreeding with humans. Not physically, however, but rather through the manipulation of the human coding or the DNA. Ick states that there is no coincidence that humans have fundamental reptilian genetics within their brains. That's that whole lizard brain thing that a lot of people talk about. You know, whoa, it's that flight or, fight or flight, the lizard brain part of it. That's what he's talking about here. I'll gladly have David Ick on Paranormal Almanac. Will it make any sense? Who knows? Would he want to even do it? Who knows? But if he does, David Ick, if you're listening to this, I'd like to have you on there. Prove to me that you know what you're talking about and it's not just weirdly connected conspiracy theories. Prove to me. Okay. So that about wraps it up for the Dulce part of this episode. What do I think about Dulce? Do I think it's real? I do think there is some proof that the Dulce base exists. Do I think it's run by a government alien hybrid connection? Eh, I don't find any proof for that at all. Do I think that there is something about that base having to deal with cattle mutilations? 100%. Do I think that there is an abnormally high amount of UFO sightings in that area? Yeah, I do. There does seem to be a high number of UFO sightings in that area around that base. I would not be surprised if there is a secret military base in Dulce. Ultimately, that's where I stand on that. Now, with that, 
Let's get to how to spot a reptoid. Here's Ick's handy dandy list of how to spot a reptoid. That's his, first we'll start with his. Here's how you spot a reptoid. You ready? You wanna write these down? I'm gonna give you a minute to go grab a pen or pencil so you can write these down. It might just save your life. Okay, how to spot a reptoid. Predominance of green or hazel eyes that change color like, like a chameleon, but also blue eyes. So basically, if you know anybody with blue eyes, hazel eyes, green eyes, or eyes that seem to change color a little bit, left and right, you know, like sometimes they're a little bit more brown, sometimes they're greenish, hazelish. They might just be a reptoid. Anybody with piercing eyes. Okay. True red or reddish hair. That's right. Anybody with red or reddish hair. They might just be a reptoid. And yet they didn't mention Ron Howard earlier. That's odd. A sense of not belonging to the human race. Look, I'll be honest. Right now, I don't want to belong to the human race. It is batshit crazy out there. Does that make me a reptoid? I don't think I am. Am I? I mean, my eyes are kind of hazily brown. I don't have red hair. I don't really think I have piercing eyes, but who knows? Oh, let's keep going. Low blood pressure. Know anybody with low blood pressure? That's right. I'm looking at you, Elisa. Reptoid. Deep compassion for fate of mankind. So apparently, if you're worried or compassionate about the fate of mankind, that makes you a reptoid? That seems weird. Keen sight or hearing. Okay, I need glasses. I don't think I'm a reptoid. Psychic abilities. He said physic abilities, but I think he meant psychic abilities. You know, come on. ESP. Well, that's psychic abilities. Unexplained scars on their bodies. UFO connections. Capability to disrupt electrical appliances. Ooh, so sliders, you might be a reptoid. Love of space and science. I like that. And alien contact. All righty. Some people think that reptoids actually use holograms to hide their true forms. So another way to spot a reptoid is a glitch in their hologram. You have to look for flickers. So if you see somebody and you see a digital flicker on their face or hand or wherever, their suit, whatever, they might be a reptoid. Another sign of a reptilian is that they have very little or no conscious awareness. They tend to have difficulty displaying genuine human emotions or act robot-like. I think I've dated a couple of lizards. Um, reptilian eyes can be seen if you look closely enough. Some say it's possible to spot them only in the midst of shape-shifting. Others say that scales or hint of green may be seen on the skin when a reptile, when a reptilian is transforming into its humanoid state. I'd say that's a pretty good indicator. If you're looking at somebody and all of a sudden they're covered in scales and they're green and they seem to be transforming from a reptile to a human, I'm gonna go with you're looking at a reptoid. And finally, the best way to spot a reptoid, your intuition may alert you of a nearby reptilian. So if all of a sudden you, something feels off, something feels weird, the crowd, someone in the crowd seems weird to you, you're probably a reptoid. Okay, with that, that brings me to the end of the reptoid episode. What did we learn? Lots of stuff. A lot of crazy people believe in reptoids. There's a lot of crazy stories out there about reptoids. They seem to go back for decades, hundreds of years even. Do I believe in reptoids any more now than I did at the beginning of this episode? I'll be honest, I believe in reptoids less now. After spending hours and hours and hours watching quote unquote proof of reptoids, I'm gonna say 
I couldn't find any proof of reptoids, and the proof that was there led me to say, that ain't proof, you people are crazy. I have less proof now than I did when I started this. I think Dulce Base is real. I think UFOs are real. I think there are very possible alien beings that look like reptilians. I think that is a wholly possible consideration that there are gray aliens, there are reptoid aliens. There are too many stories about reptoid looking, reptilian looking aliens in um, UFO encounters. So yeah, I think that there are reptoids out there, reptilians out there. I don't think we have any proof of it yet. I don't think we have any video proof of it yet. I don't think I found any proof at all, but that doesn't mean it's not real. There's very little proof of ghosts, and I believe in them 100%. There's even less proof of Nessie. I'd like to think Nessie's real. Even less proof of Bigfoot. I know there's Sasquatch out there. I'm 100% believer in that. Aliens? Yep, 100% believer. So, I do think that strange things happen to a couple of people on this list. Philip Schneider's one of them. Do I think he was killed because of his knowledge of reptoids? I don't know. But I think he might have stumbled across something that was enough that they had to seize his paperwork. Either they killed him or he just died crazy or whatever, committed suicide. It does seem odd. There are a lot of UFO investigators, a lot of conspiracy investigators, that die in mysterious ways and it's just brushed off as, oh, well, they're obviously they were crazy. And I don't think that is the case. I'm telling you right now, if I end up dead from suicide, I didn't do it. I am not committing suicide. I love Stitch too much. I love a lot of things too much. I am not doing that. I think if you are suicidal or depressed or have suicidal thoughts, please reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to a friend, a family member. Go to the suicide hotlines that are all over the world. Do something. Please reach out. If you're feeling that depressed, reach out. But if I end up dead from a supposed suicide or some weird car accident that doesn't quite make sense, for the love of God, investigate it. Something strange is happening. Look, government, you're probably listening to this. I don't know anything. I'm just passing along information. I am not worth killing over, okay? Don't worry about it. Don't have to kill me. If you knock on my door right now and say, stop talking about Paranormal Almanac, I'll probably stop talking about Paranormal Almanac if you can prove that you're the government and, you know, if you pay me off. But don't have to kill me is all I'm saying. So what do you guys think? Do you guys believe in reptoids? Do you guys believe in reptilians? Do you guys, do you guys believe that most of the celebrities that are out there, including the Kardashians and Kanye West and anybody that's anybody... Lady Gaga, do you think they're all reptilians? And if so, why? What's the point? Why are they there? Are they influencing me somehow to slowly become complacent or or fine with reptilians? What is the what's the purpose? What's the big what's the goal? What's the ultimate plan of the new world order and these reptilians? I mean, I'm not smart enough to figure it out for myself apparently, so someone tell me what that plan is what I should be looking out for and why I should be worried about it, because right now I'm just not. And with that, that brings us to a very long, very convoluted episode of Paranormal Almanac that I hope you guys liked. I hope this wasn't too batshit crazy and all over the place. Like I said, if I would have included everything I found, this episode would have been about 12 hours long or a couple of days long, which might sound fun for a couple of you guys. For, for me, 
That sounds miserable. I don't like listening to myself for more than an hour, so you guys are getting two hours out of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope I did Dulce some service for you, the patron that wanted to hear it. This one was for you. I hope you enjoyed it, Dan. It was a very interesting one for me to kind of go down these rabbit holes I never even knew existed. The maps under Los Angeles. That's a bizarre story that doesn't get enough press. So again, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope I did it justice. If not, I'll do a part two for you or whatever you need. If you want me to look into something else that I missed completely about Reptoids or about Dulce, please let me know because I don't want to miss anything that's major. Like I said, I skipped over a lot of minor stuff, but if there's more out there and you want to hear about it, I want to tell you about it. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Well, that's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world, known as the Pentaverite, mm. who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet tri-annually at a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. So who's in this Pentaverite? The Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went tetsa. Oh, I hated the colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face. Oh, you're gonna buy my chicken. Oh, Dad, how can you hate the colonel? Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly smarter. When That's your heart attack, towel rack, fall back. You got no doctors. All your doctors have gone home. What's a sleep snack? What's a sleep snack? You got a friend in law enforcement. Don't go call in law enforcement. Athena, we'd nick out. Scrooge, Grizzly, love me out.